Pastor Teddy, thank you and the uh, choir and the band today. Man, what an awesome time of worship we've already had together today. Um, but we're going to proceed on now. We just worshiped in music. Now we're going to worship with the word, right? All right. So um, just want to rem- remind you kind of where we are. Pastor Brian has already uh, told you we are right in the middle of a series. In fact, the third week of a four-week series called What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. We're study- studying r- right now passages in the book of Proverbs, uh, the book of wisdom. And what we've said about wisdom is this. And you may remember this, the ab- wisdom is the ability to see life from God's perspective. And that's what we want, right? As followers of Jesus, those of you who know Christ today, we want to be able to see life and to see things exactly like Jesus sees them. All right? So today, we also know that since that is true, we have to ask the question of where can we get wisdom from? And God made that clear in his word too. He said only from him. All right? Wisdom isn't knowledge. Uh, wisdom is something that can, given only, can be given only by God. And he gives us what he wants us to have. At the same time, we seek that from him. And we get it no matter our age and, our long, and no matter how long we've been in Christianity. And for those who, of you who are new to Christ, that is a huge praise for you. All right? For me, I, I've been saved since I was uh, 11 years old. I've been following Christ. But let me tell you something. I know some teenagers who are farther along in wisdom than some older people. You know, not many amens there, but let me tell you, it's true. All right? And the reason it's true is because God gives it to us liberally and he gives it to us as he wishes and as we seek him. So that's what we've looked at over the past couple of weeks. But let me give you specifically uh, how we've gotten to this point. Uh, Pastor Vance a couple of weeks ago started this series with this statement, and we'll show it to you on the screen here. It goes something like this. When you don't know what to do, You must turn to what God has said in his word and trust that he knows best. And the words that we used that week were turn and trust. we got to turn to his word and trust that even if we don't understand or even if we don't get it, if you will, that God knows what he is doing. He has surely said it in his word, right? Proverbs 16.20 says this, He who gives attention to the word will find good and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Proverbs exhorts us, teaches us even, that, the, that we are to go to the Word of God because the will of God cannot be accomplished in our lives or discerned apart from the Word of God that we know and that is in our lives. Last week, Pastor Vance uh, brought us the second uh, principle, if you will, and it was this. When you don't know what to do, you must seek counsel from those who are walking with God and honoring His Word. Man, what a great way to start the, the, the first two weeks. Turn and trust, but seek counsel from those who are walking with God and honoring his word. Pastor read several verses last week, but I'm just going to pick out one that, that he read just to bring us up to speed if this may be your first time here. But Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, where there is not guidance, the people, where there is no guidance, the people will fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. Proverbs teaches us here that wisdom always seeks counsel. Wisdom always turns to the Word of God and trusts what the Word says. But wisdom also seeks counsel. We're going to jump right into point number three today. And I just got to be honest with you, frank with you. My wife always says, frankness, not honesty, right? Pastors should be honest. That was a joke. Y'all tough crowd. Got to bring you in, all right? Y'all wake up, punch the guy next to you, all right? 
This week, as I was getting ready and studying, this, this passage of Scripture wrecked me. Because as I read this passage of Scripture, I, I wasn't sure if I was doing this. Not in the amount that I should be. Not with the quality that I should be giving it. So as we begin today, take your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 4 if you have them. If not, it will be on the screen for you. But Proverbs chapter 4, starting in verse 23, going to verse 27, we're going to look at something today. God has said to us that he has written in his word that is so valuable to us. in this issue of when you don't know what to do, what do you do next? What is it you're supposed to do? This is what you're supposed to do. Here's the life application. Let me give it to you before we actually read the, the uh, verses today. But here it is. When you don't know what to do, you must be careful to guard your heart. And that phrase, guard your heart, has been taken so many different ways and so many things have been said about it and it's been taught in so many different ways that sometimes we're not really sure exactly what that means. So I just want to take it today and we want to look very closely at it and let's see what God has for us. And I pray that, to be honest, that it wrecks you like it did me. All right? So let's turn there, Proverbs chapter 4. Beginning in verse 23, the Bible says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right Or to the left, turn your foot from evil. I think there are really three things in the word today that we need to understand when it comes to these verses. And I'm just going to look at them one by one. For all the rebel fans in the house, give me some love. The uh, Coach Rice and his team are going to come. I'm just kidding. They're not here. I mean, they might be. Coach Rice might be here. I'm not sure. Coach Rice, are you in the house? Okay. So we wanted to bring out something for you today to, to, to give you this image of what it means to guard. Guard is a defensive word. If we're going to look at this scripture today, let's look at it in kind of three different, from three different aspects, from three different words. And the first word there is heart. You see that word heart there? A few years ago, Pastor Vance preached a message. And so I'm going to tell you what he said to us then. Um, he said this about the word heart. The heart is the real you. The real you is not your eyes, it's not your hair, your nose, your feet. The real you is what's on the inside. The Bible often refers to the heart as the seat of the mind, the will, the emotions. It's more than emotions, it's more than feelings, it's your deepest inward convictions, it's your deepest moral standards, how you live your life, as well as your deep inward feelings or thoughts. It's the sum total of your inward moral, the sum total of your spiritual life, especially in your relationship with God. And so before we start today, and we talk about this word guard or watch over or keep, whatever version you may have today, heart, who you really are. I think I've told this story once here, even in this setting, but... I think it's apropos for this moment as well. And it's the story of my grandfather when he passed away some 17, 18 years ago. I remember going to the funeral home and there in the casket lay my grandfather's body. 
it was his body. Because the truth is, is that my grandfather wasn't there. The guy that I knew that I grew up on his knee, bouncing, listening to Jack Buck call the Cardinals games. The guy who would take me fishing and buy me Big Red and peanuts and an ice cream sandwich at the general store. That guy was gone. There was a body there, but it wasn't granddaddy. Is it, am I, does anybody hear me? The real granddaddy had left. That was the tent. That was the body. That was what was left over from this earth. But my grandfather, what made granddaddy granddaddy was gone. <clears throat> There's a you like that too. Not the outward facade, not the nose, the hair, the face, the feet, not the body, not the skin, not even your language. What makes you you is something you can't even see. The deep convictions you have, the moral standard by which you live, the personality that you've been given, the real you, that's your heart. And all of us have that. And he says here, Watch over your heart. Guard your heart. Keep vigilant. Watch over your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. But he does use this word, guard. To guard means this, to protect from danger. Now I want you to put this together, okay? The real you. Protect your heart. To keep from danger, especially by watchful attention. In other words, to watch, to keep, or to care for inward convictions. To care for moral standards that you believe. For the deep thoughts, for the deep feelings that you have. And remember, as Pastor Vance has told us over the past couple of weeks, this is a teaching, this context is advice from a father to his son. Where a father literally says, son... This is what life is all about, and this is how life works. I want you to learn this. Today, God looks at us, and he gives us his word, and he says that same thing that the father said to his son. This is what life is all about, and this is how life works, and I want you to learn this. This is wise guidance. Keep your heart. Guard your heart. Wayne Grudem said this. He said, our inward spiritual and moral life Listen close. We'll determine the course of our lives. Whether it be a life that knows God's blessing and favor or whether it does not. Guard your heart. And then he says with all diligence. That's the third thing I want you to hear. The word I want you to hear. And then we're going to get into the points. This is all introduction. Aren't you happy about that? He says the word diligence, vigilance, watchfulness, great care. How do you do it? What does that look like? He gives us that as well. Guard your heart with all vigilance, with all diligence. So in lieu of this week's principle, which here it is again, when you don't know what to do, you must be careful to do what? Guard your heart. Listen, turn and trust. Turn to his word. Trust that what he said is true, right? Don't just do that. Seek counsel. But also, when you don't know what to do, when you're stretched thin, when you're burning the candle at both ends, you better guard your heart. Because it's going to be in that time that you're going to do something that's fleshly and not of God. And not only will you regret it, but other people will be hurt in the balance too. 
So here's what I want us to think about as we think on for the next 20, 30 minutes. Are you guarding your heart? How serious an issue is it of this guarding your heart thing? And then what are the ramifications of leaving your heart unguarded? And I want you to know that today, I believe God is speaking to us from the youngest person here to the very oldest in age in this room. This is not something where the older people in the room look around and say, man, I hope the eight-year-old gets it. But eight-year-old know this, man, what a perfect time to begin to guard your heart. So let's just answer three questions today. To fully understand this principle that I've just mentioned, I'd like for us to answer really three questions. The first question is this. It's on the screen. What does this verse mean? What a great way to, I mean, this is like any sermon in the world, right? Everybody wants to know, what does this verse mean? Well, the truth is, this is for everybody, but what this verse means is not so apparent from the culture and the context in which we live. In fact, literally, here's what the words mean. Listen to this. Well, let me explain something. I, I, I need to do this first. In any language, when we go from one language to the next, we lose some things. Those of you who speak two languages and English isn't your first, you know that well. Most of us English speakers think English is the only language in the world and that's how we live, right? But it's not true. First of all, English is a very difficult language, but it's also a very messed up language in some ways. In fact, the way it was written in the original language, there weren't even words for some of these words that we have. So they did the best they could to put together so that we could understand with pictures what these words were. In fact, the first part and the last part are different. The last part is way worse than the first part. But the first part of this verse, verse 23, says guard your heart. But if you translate it literally, it literally says this. Listen to this. Guard your heart above everything else you guard. In fact, the word guard is used twice here, and we don't usually do that in English for um, emphasis sake. Okay, So the Hebrews used to use words to emphasize or overemphasize so that the people who were reading or hearing could understand better. So I want to do that for you today. I want you to understand better. Here's what the Bible says. Guard above everything that you guard your heart more than anything else. Keep above anything that you keep above anything else your heart. Watch over more than anything else you watch over. You say, Tom, can I get a list going? Sure, but everything falls under that. Above everything in your life, above everything in my life, there has to be a guard. This word guard, like I said a moment ago, is a defensive word, right? It's like keeping something away. Hence the shield, if you will. Guard above everything else that you guard. Make sure that you guard your heart. More than anything that you're responsible for, be more responsible for your heart. And, and can I just say this? We get this. Like nobody's sitting here today going, huh, I wonder what he's saying. We already get this. You know how I know we get this already? Because when we go to bed at night, we lock our doors. We don't leave our car unattended in the parking lot at Walmart, right? We make sure that our wallet or our money or your purse is 
knuckle, uh, neatly tucked away in some crevice in the car where nobody can see it if you want to come back and have it. We protect our family and our children. We, we protect our bank accounts. We protect our jobs. We make sure we're there on time if we want to keep it, right? So we get this totally. We understand this teaching of guard above everything else, right? We understand how to guard things, how to watch over things. We understand how to care more about one thing than we do another thing. What's difficult for us, though, is when the Bible says that this is the one thing that you care for more than anything else. And that, for me this week, was what wrecked me. Somehow I think that not attending to and guarding over my heart is okay. Somehow I think that if I leave it unguarded that it'll be okay. But the truth is, it's not only not okay, it's dangerous for us. Because not only, listen, the God of the universe has come and invaded my heart. and He's given me a new 2 Corinthians 5.17 heart. The old is gone and new has come, right? But I still have my flesh. If you don't have your flesh in here, you're Jesus. Just saying. He was the only one who had flesh and would never sinned. You live in a way just like me. That you struggle with stuff. That there are things that, 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 that confound you. And there are things that can trip you up. And, and make you do things that you actually in your mind know aren't best. But we know how to guard stuff. He says here more than all these good things. Homes, family, cars, possessions. More than everything else. Jobs, finances. Guard your heart. More than anything else. Here's the thing that's difficult for us. It probably means we're going to have to not give attention to some really good things. That's hard for us. Like, God's got this, and so I'll handle the rest. Now, here's the deal. First, guard your heart. He's basically saying here, if you're going to neglect something, make sure it's not your heart. If there's something you're going to set aside and neglect, make sure that it is not your heart. It's almost like the writer saying that there's something good that's in here that needs to be watched over, right? There's something inside us that needs to be, and, and I know some of you scholars today what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking, because I thought it. That's why I know. Pastor Tom, Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. In fact, put it on the screen, guys. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this. The heart, same exact word, used more than 500 times in the Old Testament, same word, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You say, Tom, see that right there? That tells you right there, man. Here's the deal. If I watch over my heart, I'm going to be watching over something that's desperately wicked. I'm going to be watching over something that's deceitful above all things. And that's the thing I've got to do. Here's the deal. Yes. What we do forget, though, is in Jeremiah chapter 31, he says something different. Look in Jeremiah chapter 31. Look what he says there. I will write my laws on your heart. Did you know that there's not anything good in your heart, but there is something uh, just for yourself? 
But he's put something there as a follower of Jesus that is very good. That's the best. You know why you're guarding your heart? Because of that. I've written my laws on your heart. I've given this to you. I've given you wisdom. I've given you knowledge and understanding about what real life and true Christianity, true life is all about. I've written them on your heart. The old is gone, the new has come. But then Jesus, or excuse me, Paul even says uh, about the heart, he says in Romans chapter 9 verse 5, he says this, God's love has been poured, listen to this, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. God's love's in our hearts. 617, you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. Obedience to God comes from the heart. Hebrews 10, 22, draw near, he says, with a clean heart. Clean heart. It's pure. If you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, he saved you and he cleaned you up and he gave you a brand new heart. But we also know our hearts aren't perfect and we go back to Jeremiah 17 and say our heart's desperately wicked. It's deceitful above all things. And Tom, what is that supposed to look like? And how do I listen? Keep your heart with all vigilance because it can go astray. James said it over and over and over. He said, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He will purify your heart. It is possible for us as followers of Jesus Christ to go back to the fleshly ways, but we don't have to. We choose so many of the things that we do and who we are. And isn't that why he said, guard your heart? I want you to think for just a second before I move on. Are you guarding your heart? Are you watching what goes in and how you function and where you go and what you see and how you listen? And because it really is a, a defensive mechanism he's talking about here. What does this mean? Guard your heart above everything else. In fact, the Puritan John Flavel described it like this in the 17th century. Listen to what he said. The heart is like a musical instrument. You tune it, and you hang it up for later, and then you come back later, and it's out of tune. Or you tune it, then you bump it, and then it's out of tune again. It can be a matter of days or weeks or months. It can be a matter of moments that the instrument goes out of tune. Our hearts can be in tune with God. So as the instrument, so is our heart. Our hearts can be in tune with God, and you give it some time, and I'll promise you'll be out of tune. A circumstance can come in our life. We can be following, loving, walking with God, and a circumstance can come and pop us right in the, in the face, and you know what happens? We get out of tune with God. We begin to question God, and we begin to question His ways, and we don't look at what His Word has said, nor do we trust it. We don't seek the counsel of people. And so we don't guard our heart. Spending time daily with God and personally worshiping God, just you. But then also corporately like we do here. And also consistently like we do in our small groups and with other people. It's great accountability for the heart. All those things and all those methods and all those prescriptions for guarding your heart. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But guard your heart. Above all else. More than you guard anything else. All, of, all that you're guarding, guard your heart the most. 
the proverb writer says. When you don't know what to do, you got to be careful to guard your heart. Number two, why should I guard my heart? This is the motivation. This is what's going to, I mean, what's the reason, Tom, that I should guard my heart? Is there an exact reason? Well, there is, and it's actually at the end of verse 23. If you'll look there, the Bible says, for from it flow the springs of life. This is even more difficult than the first part of this verse to translate. In fact, you need to love the Bible after I say this, but this is just true, okay? The words that are in the Hebrew Bible and the words that we have in every English version, I didn't see one version that even looked close, are not the same words. In fact, English scholars say that you have to paint the picture for these words because there is no word in the English language for this word. It was actually only two words, but this one word, it's basically this word right here. Okay, you ready? This is as close as we can get, and the reason they didn't put this in here is because it doesn't make sense, and you'll know when I say it, okay? Guard your heart above all things. You ready? Comma. Here's the end. Outgoings. I know it's impressive. That's it. Outgoings. And people are like, yeah, outgoings. Woo! What? <laughs> what does that mean? That's why they painted the picture for us. Outgoings was a way for them to say a spring or a, a flow of some water that comes out of or from the heart. And that's why they said what they said. For from it flow the springs of life. Guard your heart. Why? Because from it come the springs of life. Some of your versions may say issues of life. Some of, the th- some of them may say happenings. <coughs> Excuse me. But literally, the outgoings, to go out. Translators saw it as that stream of water that was flowing out. Here's, here's the way you should look at it. Your life is flowing out from you. People are seeing your life, and your life is affecting not only your life, your life is affecting everybody else's life. And so God looks at us and he says this, guard your heart. Because who you are is coming out, right? I've told this story before, so if you've been here, you'll have to hang on, but it's a, it's a great picture of what I mean. My dad was the world traveler when we were young. He, went, he wanted to take us everywhere. I mean, there's like a picture of me and my brother and our little Brady Bunch um, uh, shorts and sneakers, you know, and t- anybody remember tough skins and a lot of pictures from my tough, y'all, okay, thank you, whew, wow, so here I am in all these pictures, and we're everywhere, one year my dad got the idea after Disney World opened that he was going to take us to Disney World, so my, me and my brother, my mom and dad, we loaded up in the car, and we headed down to Orlando, and Florida's a different state, it's in the south, but it's not really the south, if you're from Florida, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but everything changes. Topography, geography, everything just kind of, every language, everything changes, all right? Um, people aren't Southern people anymore. They're New Yorkers. Um, nothing against New Yorkers. We love them, you know, but they're not Southern people. And so I remember we were driving, and we were almost to Orlando. We were on this, this road. It was like a four-lane highway. And on both sides of the interstate uh, were... were um, Trees, I mean hundreds of trees, as far as I could see trees. And I remember saying, you know, what is that? I've never seen anything like that. I've seen a lot of, you know, corn and soybeans and stuff like that. But these were like tall and there were lots of them. And my dad said, this is an orange tree. Those are all orange trees. 
which, you know, even as young as I was, I knew that orange trees produce oranges, right? A five-year-old could tell you that orange trees don't produce grapes, right? Grapes and bananas and apples and pears come from different genetic trees. That's the word. Orange trees produce oranges. Whatever you're producing, that's you. You want to know the real you? Whatever you're producing. And listen, that's painful for us. It's painful for me. It's painful for us to look into ourselves and go, this is who I really am. I'm really controlling. I'm really a jerk. Right? I'm really that person that I don't even want to be around. What's flowing out of you? Jesus said this. He said, out of, the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, whatever's in here, that's coming out. The reason orange trees produce orange is because that's what it is. Mark chapter 7 says this. From the heart of man come all kinds of sin. Why do people do evil things? Why do you do the things that you do? Because that's what's in your heart. What's in you is constantly coming out like a flowing, bubbling stream of water that's affecting everyone the water touches. And so the quality and the standard of that inward and moral and spiritual life is consistently, constantly impacting other people. I want you to think for a second. Is there, is there somebody in your life that you love to be around? Like... Like that person, like when you're with that, I mean, they're just people who build you up and, and who, who make you feel better when you're with them. And so you try to be around them as much as you can. Or are you the person when somebody sees you coming, everybody avoids? Like gets behind, you know, columns and hides under cars and, you know, turns into, you know, turns around and does this number, you know. I mean, I, I, I mean what kind of person are you? I want you to look introspectively and be honest with yourself just in these next few moments. What is your heart full of? Is it full of selfishness or pride or bitterness or anger or fear? Is it full of self? Or is it full of Jesus? Faith in Him. Love for God. Mercy and grace and forgiveness. I told you this is painful, right? Because those first things I mentioned is what happens when this doesn't. Fear and anger and malice toward others and hatred happens when we're not doing this. But when we are, that law that he's written on our hearts when he gave us a new life and a new heart can be guarded and protected. And you say, Tom, I I mean, I got a new heart. Should I have to do anything? According to him, you should. And more than 500 times he talks about it in the Old Testament alone. John Flavel, quote him again, should be on the screen this time. 17th century Puritan said this. I love this. Where the tongue and hands begin is where the heart ends. Whatever you're saying, whatever you're doing, is a product of who you really are. 
So why do I do what I do, Tom? Why do I continue? Paul had that same question, and it ate him alive too, and it's that that's what your heart is like. Another way to say it is that that is what your appetite is for. That's your appetite. Why do you do what you do? Because that's what you crave. That's what you think about. That's, what, that's who you are. Listen, the only way to change that is to guard your heart. You say, Tom, this whole defensive thing of sticking up a, a shield and making sure that my heart is guarded will make me live the life that God wants me to live. According to him, yes. He has saved you. He has given you a new heart. But then there's another part to this that he says, but you still have the sinful nature. A few years ago, when we lived in Florida, I think my, my family's in this service, maybe not, maybe tonight. Um, but I remember there was this place that, that our family liked to go. It was an ice cream shop. It's called Twisty Treat. Anybody ever heard of Twisty Treat? Let me tell you, it was the oddest building you've ever seen. It looked like an ice cream cone. Like the bottom was like the cone part, and then it had this like... Uh, Vanilla and chocolate swirl on the top. I mean, it was a real scene, man. I mean, it was an odd building, but people would line up for blocks to get in this place. And when we would drive by, which was every day, every day we would drive by this place because it was on the way to our house, I would speed up right there if the kids were in the car. (laughs) Because I knew if the red light caught us, we're going to be staring at it for two minutes. Let's go to Twisty Tree. Yay, Twisty Tree. Let's go to Twisty Tree. And they were like anticipating Twisty Tree. Twisty Tree. Not to mention other kinds of businesses as well. Toy stores, arcade, uh, game, con I don't know. Why did they want what they wanted? Because that's what was in their heart. Like they were sensitive to that which they loved and wanted, and the standard. Like, I don't know what your standards are, your convictions. But do you want them so much that you notice them everywhere? Or are you just free to be whoever you are? You know, you say, Tom, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And there are other people who are sinners who, who, who haven't been given life yet. And, and I'm praying they are. But the only difference between me and them is that I just have grace and they don't. And while there is a theological truth to that, there's another truth that says don't stay a baby in Christ. Why is it so important? To guard my heart. Because everything else in life is affected by what you allow on the inside of you. And listen, there's enough on the the inside to have made you a sinner and and need salvation, okay? So let me just go there and let me say I realize that. It's not what goes in that defiles you, it's what comes out. I know what Jesus said, but I also knew this. Over and over, God said, guard your heart where my law and my truth abide. Watch what you let go in. Pastor Vance said it like this. He said, the influences I allow in my life affect everything about the way I live my life. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as a man thinks within himself, so he is. So passionately with all you have, guard your heart. When you don't know what to do, what do you do? Be careful to guard your heart. Point number three. We'll be done for today. What does it mean? Why should I do it? But then lastly, how do I, how do, I do it? Well, 
Watch over. What are you allowing inside? Guard. Keep. Keep a sharp lookout. It even means to keep someone or something protected. Listen to this. From an enemy that is without. Do you know there's an enemy? You have an enemy. In fact, Peter said, he said it like this. He said, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But not only is your enemy the evil that is the devil and as demons, but you are part of your enemy because you still have your flesh. Part of the enemy, part of the understanding we have to to, to grasp and to hold is that the reason that we need a guard, the reason that we need the shield is because there's an enemy. And if you think, listen, you lock your doors and you guard your kids and you make sure the bank account's okay because you know there's an enemy. Some of you have gotten life lock. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Nobody's getting your social security number. No, 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 nay, nay, buttercup. You won't give them your social security number, but you will give the devil your heart. Guard your heart. Above all things. More than anything else you guard. For from it flow the springs of life. We have an enemy. So, just finishing up today, I want to show you three different areas where you can guard your heart, okay? And, and they're all talked about in, the, pre, in the, uh, the ending verses here. Look at verse 24. The Bible says, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. An area where you can actually accomplish something if you try is in the area of your ears. What you listen to. These verses in a lot of commentaries... They believe that these verses are about speech and not the ear. And while there is a great principle there about what you say and how you say what you say, and that's awesome, the truth is, is this is a defensive context, right? So it's not what's going here, it's what's coming here. This is bad, but right now we're talking about this. You say, oh, here goes Tom and his old fundamental avenue, you know, his conservative value, fundamental Southern Baptist, here he is, whatever that means. Some people don't even care. <sighs> We're going to get legalistic on stuff, and we're going to say you can't do this. I mean, listen, somebody needs to go get a barrel, and let's just burn all the CDs. What do you think? That's not what I'm talking about. Let's get all the CDs, and for the younger crowd, you probably don't even know what a CD is. You take your iPod out there and put it in, right? Some of the older crowd are going, what about the 8-tracks? And <clears throat> right? I don't know what we're playing it on anymore, but, you know, somebody might have one. We're not doing that. That's not what I'm talking about. But I will say this. It matters what you listen to. And I'm not talking about just music. I'm talking about friendships. I'm talking about wrong counsel. I'm talking about off-color jokes. <clears throat> I'm talking about lack of integrity. Lying. You hang around liars, right? You hang around people who are deceptive. You hang around people who have no integrity. <clears throat> you, have, uh, you, you hang around people who are racist. You hang around people who could care less about women, men, and talk about them in a way that is not just disrespectful, but dishonoring to God. 
That matters. It matters. The writer of Proverbs here is reminding us that there are some things you can listen to that are dangerous to your walk with God. Bottom line. He said, put away a deceitful mouth. It describes a mouth that speaks without integrity. Talk that is habitually given to disobedience. Crooked, doesn't line up with truth. Are you hanging around people like that? Do you hear that constantly? He also says, put devious speech far from you. That which is wrong, foul or ruined, unpleasant, foul language, dirty jokes, off-color jokes, gossip, whatever's on your iPod that shouldn't be there. Conversation, wrong conversation. Philippians 4.8 says this. You say, Tom, where do you get all that from? Philippians 4.8 says this. Finally, brethren, this is what you should listen to. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, pure, whatever's holy, whatever's of good repute. If there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, listen to what he says, dwell on these things. If they're opposite of that, no go. The second thing are the eyes. What are you supposed to look at or what you actually do look at? Verse 25 says this, let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Here the writer's talking about wondering eyes. You say, Tom, how do you know that? Because that word gaze is a very interesting word. To gaze means to stare and hold your stare on. To be focused and to stay focused upon. To not wander. What you look at matters. You say, Tom, you're talking about TV and movies? Yeah. Not in a way of legalism, understand. We have standards in our home. I hope you do too. It's not a free-for-all. All right. They Listen, the, the TV companies can rate their movies all they want. You need to rate them according to your heart. But it's not just media. It's not just Internet or TV, which is Internet's another huge one. But guys, let me just say this, all right? This is men in the house. Keep your eyes on your wife. Somebody else's wife isn't yours and was never going to be. Women, keep your eyes on your man. I know we're not cute to look at. You're a lot better looking than us. But we're not doing it because of that, and neither are you. What we look at matters. Coveting, jealousy, Something someone else has or owns. Not to mention media and internet. Internet's a great thing. It can be used wonderfully, but it can also be a detriment. What you look at matters. Psalm 101 even says this. He says, I will walk within my house. In, my, in the integrity of my heart. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I won't waste my time on it. It's going to hurt me. So not just the ears, not just the eyes, but also the feet. In verse 26 and 27, he says this. He says, watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn. A command. Do not turn to the left nor to the right. Turn your foot from evil. The writer of Proverbs here is reminding us that there are some places a Jesus follower just doesn't belong. You... As followers of Jesus, if your heart's been changed, and I realize that today you may be here and you may not want to be a follower of Jesus, and you just, or maybe you haven't decided to turn your life over to him yet. I don't know where you are. But for those of us in the room who are followers, lean in a little close and let me say this to you. You cannot live 
like you aren't a follower. And expect either the blessings of God or the consequences of sin not to happen. You cannot live like you're not a follower. If you can, then maybe you aren't. But if you are, guard your heart. There are just some things that we ought not hear. There are some things that we ought not see. And there are some things that, and there are some places we ought not go. And while that sounds very fundamentalist and very, you don't know, and there's the whole, you know, you're out of it, Tom. This is 2013. Yo, what's up? You know, here's what I can tell you. If you do it, it will hurt you. It's going to hurt you. I remember not having a cell phone. Those were glorious days. Right? I remember we had three channels at my house. Two if it rained. I was the remote. Those were great days. My parents would not let me watch the TV show Dallas. I didn't know why, but I wanted to know really bad. You just can't live like you want to live as a human being, as a child of God. Listen, I know that there's something in you that wants to do opposite because there's something in me too. But I love God. I want Him to be known. And I think if we took a poll here and everyone who was a believer, if we were to ask them the question, do you want God to be known because of your life? Every one of us would say absolutely, unequivocally, yes. And guard your heart. Guard your heart. Above all things. More than anything else you guard. If it means something else has to wait or be put aside or be neglected. God said do that. But don't neglect this. Because it's there where your life flows. Where the stream of water touch everybody in your life. Do you know God? Are you spending time with him to get to know him better so that more of his law can be placed there? Are you accountable with anybody in your life? Are there other people who know you and know your business? Are you living life on your own, doing your own thing because, you know, you run your own life? Because I'll promise you, you're not guarding your heart. If you're a believer today, you have access to this. If you're not a believer... You can be. So I don't know where you are today, individually. But I can say this to all of us. When you don't know what to do, be careful to guard your heart. When you're in the middle of stress and strain and being pulled from one end to the other and the candles are being burned at both ends, guard your heart because your tendency will be to go to that which is normal and natural That's going to hurt you every time. 